You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Who are you and what are you doing here? Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is V. Chu. I'm a doctor in the community, uh, a gay doctor. Um, I'm here because my partner surprised me with a Savage Love podcast guest spot. That uh, was for charity. It was the the Stranger Crumby auction. Last yes. Year. Oh, that's that was, it was Usually it's just me and the tech savvy at risk youth. But then yes. I came in here today and there's a very handsome dude sitting here in a black and then, shirt. So he just said, sent me an email and said, by the way, you're going to be on Savage Love, which was actually a great honor because we used to listen to you guys when you were um, – when you did the these radio show with Mary oh Martone. God, that was 8 million years yeah. ago. So I uh, kind of dating both of you us. You're four but. years old then? Were you listening to your yeah, preschool? No. Well, that was that was a while ago, yeah. But um, it was fun. And so it's kind of cool to be here. Okay, so what qualifies, you to, what qualifies you to muscle into my podcast and give advice? Um, let's see. Well, I well, – so, okay. So I helped co-found Seattle's sort of uh, GLPT-focused primary care clinic. We do HIV medicine, transgender hormone therapy as well. So I get a lot of. Sort Are you a of, doctor? I'm a doctor. Okay, yes. so basically, you're more qualified to give advice than I am uh, in about some, most <laughs> with for some things. <laughs> some of these questions you're having me look at. Oh wow, they're kind of. I mean, they'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, I answer a lot of. Mm, every day is sort of a savage love for me in some ways. I get a lot of really, really interesting questions that I try to answer. Um, but a lot of it's just hand waving as well. Okay. Well, before we get to. Uh, some calls okay. and test your advice giving skills, which I'm sure are mad skills, as the kids <laughs> were saying about eight years ago. Uh, I wanted to ask you first about this AIDS study today right. that was released, CDC. A big breakthrough. They're calling it treatment as prevention. Yes. And it seems like a very big deal, and it points in some directions that some people may be uncomfortable. Yeah. So we've been having – so the, the world of HIV has been kind of exciting lately. There have been a lot of really cool studies that came out. Um, this was just one of the latest studies that basically showed that uh, basically using HIV treatment as prevention, as you said. So essentially – the idea is, well, if someone's HIV positive, we can reduce their infectivity by putting them on medications and getting them to undetectable levels. The term is everyone that has been hearing now for 10 years is undetectable. Right. Unde- my HIV levels are undetectable. They can't find any of exactly. the virus in my blood when exactly. they look for it. And there's been some debate in the community and in, out in the wider world about whether or not somebody with an undetectable viral load was actually – Infectious. Yep. And what this study, and it's it's a large, comprehensive study. What it found was was essentially, essentially that if someone's if let's if you take a cert, if you are on medications and you're undetectable, your infectivity is super, super, super low. Okay, I can't say zero. There was a, su- a Swiss HIV group that got in a lot of trouble a few years ago for saying essentially that if you're on HIV meds and you're undetectable, that you're essentially non-infectious. So they had to retract that because they really didn't know. But this is a study but that – Now s- we know. Yeah, it basically – But this doesn't mean you can just like run out there and let anybody who says, oh, no, my no. viral load is undetectable, stick his dick in your ass without a condom on it. Exactly, because there's so much other stuff out there, Dan. And well, they could also be lying. That's true, right. And plus – or they don't know, right? So they're HIV, they say they're HIV negative because based on their last test, they're HIV negative. But actually, the most infectious people are the ones who don't know that they're positive. Exactly. That's you know? something I hammer home all the time. And this also points to uh, you know, a lot of the people get a lot of the blame for fueling the HIV crisis now and new infections are pause guys who know they're pause and are in treatment 
who, as it turns out, are the least infectious pause guys out there. Exactly. So, I mean, this is – it's just a really – this is a really um, – there's a, there have been a few other studies showing as well that if we could use treatment as prevention. There are some studies – a big study that came out that said if you have like a serotonin couple, you could put the HIV negative person on a pill called Truvada and that would, that would decrease their infectivity as well. Anyway, so – Their susceptibility. Their susceptibility, exactly. So um, – But this points to a place that a lot of people who worked in HIV activism or worked at AIDS orgs once HIV activism became career – that it points at universal testing, almost mandatory universal testing because if everyone who's infected knows and is in treatment, you could extinguish the HIV epidemic in a decade. Yeah. Uh, you know, if um, – one of the problems right now is that – again, like we were talking about earlier, the, the, some of the people who are more infectious are the ones who don't know it. So we need everyone to be tested and tested regularly and there's there's a school of thought basically saying that if – because of this studies like this that if and it you're compared in- people who got knew they were positive and went right on drugs uh, right into treatment without having any symptoms compared to people who knew they were positive and didn't want to start the drugs until they were symptomatic in some way and actually you know the current guidelines basically say that you um it's basically a CD4 count of 500 or below is when you really should be on medications. But until then, it's sort of a uh, – Optional. Have, yeah, optional. But what we know now is infected, you should be on the medication. Yeah, this is definitely one of the studies that sort of points towards early, earlier treatment. And in fact, in the city of San Francisco, uh, they basically are of the, of the ilk that everyone should be on medications. And that's been really interesting. And, and this is a study that basically backs that up. Uh, that we can reduce sort of the population viral load, get everyone's – the infectivity of the population to – you know, near zero. And if we do universal testing and identify people early who are HIV positive and get them on meds. How do you do universal testing without it being somehow mandatory, which for <sighs> people out to talk yeah. about? And how do you do universal testing when so many millions of Americans have no access, no access to primary well, care? Gosh, we should probably get more people access to care. That'd be a good thing as well. Perhaps a single payer healthcare system. Maybe actually that would be a really good idea. So if I had my druthers. Before, you, before we go to calls, where did you go to med school? I just want to find out now that you went to Phoenix online <laughs> University. No, where did you go? I'm, I'm a local boy. I uh, grew up in Virginia, but uh, I moved here with my partner when he got a job at Microsoft. So I thought, oh, I'll apply to all the med schools in the area. There was one. Uh, but it all worked out. You know, it, uh, we, so you went to the UW. I went to the UW. Awesome. So I went to the UW, and then I did residency at Virginia Mason, and then uh, kind of took a look around. I trying to figure out what to do, and – the only thing that lit in my fire oh, – so I did a rotation um, in San Francisco at City Clinic. They do fabulous – A lot of people in San Francisco doing rotations. And, uh, you know, working with gay boys and the GLBTQ population and doing STD screening and just HIV medicine, that just really floated my boat. And so I decided to open a clinic to do just that. So. But your ultimate achievement, really the highlight of your career is sitting in this room with me. Yes. <laughs> and the expo- and answering, exposed foam on the walls. This is great. And answering this is your great calls. It is. It's really – it's glamorous. Yeah. You, can, you can see Elliot Bay from our offices, from our glamorous <laughs> studios up here. If I look on your phone, yeah. Your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For a free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash savage. 
Hi, Dan. Uh, I was just calling because I have a question. Um, I'm a uh, gay male and in a committed relationship, and I'm uh, top of my boyfriend's bottom. And uh, he recently had a little bout with um, hemorrhoid um, and did some Internet research and uh, came up with um, that anal sex is the only thing that could possibly be causing hemorrhoids. Um, so I just wondering if you had any advice as to... Um, any tips on how to not make that happen or uh, if that is a common occurrence or uh, what to kind of do in this situation because I think he's a little gun shy of anal now and I'm obviously not. <laughs> I can understand where he's coming from, but uh, I just really want to try to figure out a way to get through this. After poop, hemorrhoids are anal sex's biggest PR disaster. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so the thing about hemorrhoids, so, so, so common. No one talks about them, but Trust me, in my field, I see it all the time. Huge problem. Yes, anal sex can sort of aggravate things, but there's sort of a lot of things that go into the formation of a hemorrhoid. And first of all, let me just back up and say, just make sure that you guys know what a hemorrhoid is. It's your little friend that that hap- it's, it's a little uh, engorged blood vessel. Okay, there's a ton of them in the anal area. Oh, and- I thought it was a garden. <laughs> and well, okay, so the Western because Western- mine have that that big shock of pink hair. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, I don't have hemorrhoids. Well, good. But does sure. anal cause hemorrhoids? Because that's what people fear. You know, it doesn't really – it's hard to – I don't know if they cause them. But it certainly could aggravate and make you think – make them symptomatic. Because my dad has hemorrhoids and I don't. And so from that control group, that one study, mm-hmm. the, the Savage Family Hemorrhoid mm-hmm. Study, I would say it's, it's a good study. proof positive that anal does not cause hemorrhoids. Well, it, with this study, it would be anal – Reduces hemorrhoids or cures hemorrhoids? Perhaps, or knocks them so far inside that you can't see exactly. them. Exactly. Um, well, okay. So the Western – I would say Western toilets in general are just not built. We are at a disadvantage. I mean you've got – you sit on this donut and it forces blood into the anal ring, the anal area. And then you sit there and this is gross. This is shop talk. But you strain. You know what I mean? Like you sit in your push. Oh, I sit in the shower now. You know what I mean? So that. like it, it just – Forces more and more blood into the area, and then so anything you, anytime you do that, you strain. You're going to have more pressure, and then the hemorrhoids going to get bigger, and then you go have anal sex, and then all of a sudden it becomes symptomatic and painful, and then you think about it. But really, they were probably there all along. Mm-hmm. So what so you got to do, do? What do you do? You're gay. You like to get fucked in the butt, or you want to fuck your boyfriend's butt, and he's got hemorrhoids. What's well, the- usually give, you usually give great advice. So first of all, it's just about a lot of lube, right? Lube and time. Mm-hmm. Okay? You can do everything with lube, lube and time, um, but really, you also have to take the long view. Uh, it took a while for that friend to form. It'll be a while before before it goes away. So what you really want to do is, and this sounds kind of, you know, doesn't sound very satisfying, but you got to increase your dietary fiber. Fiber is your friend, and we're not talking like an extra apple a day. We're talking like whatever you're getting right now is not enough. You got to get some fiber capsules and do a bunch of fiber. And take, why is that? Because and this sounds really. Kind of too simplistic, but it, the idea is if you can regulate your stools and make them, you know, first of all, if they're meeting consistency, they're not. They're going to be very little. It's going to be. It's going to lessen the trauma on the on the hemorrhoid. It's going to be less symptomatic. But also, if you have plenty of fiber, you're going to have very clean, well formed stools. You get on the toilet. You get off the toilet as fast as you can. It's going to be clean. You don't sit there. And this is. I know it's shop talk, but you not to sit there and strain because of pasty stools. You're going to have really well nice. Pretty stools, you know, <laughs> and then um, and then I have know, a tumbler for mine. <laughs> exactly, you're not going to be straining. And then over the course of several weeks or months, then that friend will go away. So take the long view. More fiber into your boyfriend's diet if yes. you want more dick in your boyfriend's ass with a lot more lube. Yes, and take it slow. 
Hi, Dan. I'm a straight female. I had a question about um, anal sex and hemorrhoids. I just recently found out that I have a small hemorrhoid, um, <laughs> and I was not um, too thrilled about that, but my doctor assured me that it wasn't a big deal, that they're very common, um, but I didn't really want to linger too long in the doctor's office asking a bunch of questions. So I wanted to know if you knew if it's still safe to have anal sex um, when you have a hemorrhoid. If not, I definitely want to know that. But if there is, if there are particular precautions that you can take or certain things that uh, you should do in order to avoid exacerbating it or aggravating it or creating new ones, if that happens, um, I'd love to know. Okay, I didn't want to bury you in hemorrhoids today or anything, but <laughs> right. I did pick this question because, A, to emphasize that straight people have anal sex too. Absolutely. And they do, and they have a lot more of it than we do because there's so many more of them. A lot more than we think, yeah. And uh, so her question, just like quickly, because we've already like hammered away at the hemorrhoid mm -hmm. issue, is it safe to have anal sex even? Oh, yeah, I think it's present? safe. I just think it's one of those situations where, I mean, she may not want to. It's going to be uncomfortable. So we go back to the cardinal rule of lots of lube. I mean, the, the caveats of, you know, of, you know, I hope, it, is it safe in the sense that, you know... Will you will your ass explode? Yeah. You're not going to do any permanent damage. You're not going to blow out your O-ring. You're not going to have incompetence you know, forever. It's, if you just take it easy, you know, when you're symptomatic, when it's large, if it's, if it's symptomatic in that when you go to the bathroom, it hurts, or if there's a little bit of blood when you wipe, you know, you, it's going to be uncomfortable when you have anal sex. So it's you not that You might not want to. For a while. To answer your question, it's safe, but you just may not want to. Is so it ill-advised? I mean, if the problem with hemorrhoids is a lot of blood rushing into this area, a lot of straining, there's blood, there's straining that goes on with some anal. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, I'll, okay. It's safe. Is it going to make it worse? Uh, you know, it's probably going to prolong things. So she may want to take it easy for a little bit. Again, though, with these, you have to take the long view. It's going to take a while. So I would just go easy on I like to take the long view. I like to look at it from way across the room. <laughs> so go easy on it. Through my hands. Go easy on it and it'll be safe. Just uh, just know that it'll take, it'll take a while. Hi, Dan. This is a 26-year-old straight male living in the northeastern United States. And I was wondering if you could shed some light on a subject that I feel like there's not a lot of clarity on out there. That subject is blue balls, something, unfortunately, I know a little bit about. And the other night, I was with a girl who I just recently started hooking up with. And... We're making out, you know, just kind of doing her thing, and she was kind of, like, nervous and scared and was like, I don't really want to have sex. And I was like, that's fine, you know. I don't want to pressure you to do anything you don't want to do. But as the night went on, my balls started to really, really hurt because that's what happens when you get a boner for, like, hours at a time and you don't come, you get blue balls. That's just how it goes. And so instead of, you know, pressuring her or doing anything like that, I just went to excuse myself, went into the bathroom, jerked off, and, you know, the pain went away. So I went and got back to bed, and the girl totally called me out on it, and she was like, did you just masturbate in my bathroom? And I was like, yeah, I did. And she was like, oh, my God. And she started asking me all these questions, and was like, I was really embarrassed, but she was like, no, it's, it's fine. And she started, like, getting really turned on by the idea, and then eventually we had sex, and it was amazing. It was like just really, really hot sex. And... She was like, so it's like, why could, why did you have to go jerk off? And I was like, well, I, my balls hurt. I had blue balls. And she was like, I thought that was fake. And I was like, no, that unfortunately that does exist. And this is, I've come across this before that girls just don't believe it because 
They think it's like a myth that guys use it as an excuse to get them to have sex or something. And I think that you should, you know, use this anecdote as as a lesson for people. You know, it's they, they're, it, it's out there and it exists, but it's not a reason for men to take advantage of women. I think that's really fucked up and it goes against what I believe in. But unfortunately, it does exist, and I think that people should know that. Blue balls. I don't believe they exist. Oh, come on, Dan. You know blue balls. Uh, blue blue balls is very very real. I think. I mean, it's I, real. I, it's real because you feel it, right? It's real because it's there. It's not just guys manipulating girls into getting them all the way up because <laughs> otherwise they're going to be clutching their nuts in the fetal position on the floor and yeah, sobbing. They're, clutch, they're clutching their nuts, but I don't think that has anything to do with the nuts. Actually, I mean, I think probably what more what it is. It's it's um it's just the prostate getting it's secreting fluid. It's it's uh. Probably the prostate is getting a little enlarged. There's like this deep. It's, it's um, sucking all the fluids out of the bloodstream yeah. that needs to like create the ejac magic. Exactly. And then there's a big release and then it goes away. But um, well, I guess I'm just. It's another like uh, longitudinal study of just me because <laughs> I've had plenty of. You know, I have a kid. Yeah, you I have do a 13 year old kid. Studies. We've had plenty of like interruptus over the last 13 <laughs> years where things had to stop uh-huh. very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, neither, and you never experienced anything like no, that? No, ever. You never had foreplay for hours upon hours on end and then you had this deep ache that this guy calls I like to come. Don't get me wrong. But there have been times when you couldn't and it wasn't like you walked around in pain the rest of the day or even for a minute or two. You just got up and did something else. Well, so I think some people probably have maybe bigger prostates and or they're getting more worked up and – You're making me self-conscious about the size of my prostate right now. Yeah. Well, you know. You should have to see a doctor about that. <laughs> um, but I think it's, I think it's it's real. It's, it's real because you know, honestly, anything is real. I mean, my patients tell me they have it. It's it, it, and they feel it, then it's going to be real, right? So I've got to deal with it. How do you know if somebody is? Because I could claim to feel it, even though I don't. Like, mm-hmm. how do you independently verify that the person you're with actually suffers from blue balls and oh, isn't just saying that so they can coat your tonsils? Um, well, I mean, you know, I don't. You cannot. You will. Not, they they do not turn blue. Balls <laughs> will not enlarge. There's no way for the for you know his girlfriend to know that he was telling the truth. Uh, it comes down to trust. Blue ball, blue ball trust. Um, and she's just got to understand that it, it's it's a real. It, the guys do feel this way. I don't know. If, you know, I'm not. I, I'm. I don't think girls experience that. At all. Girls don't have orgasms. I, I haven't do heard they? of. I haven't heard of blue balls though. Maybe no. it's because they don't have prostates. Maybe they have rovery. They have other glands. I mean, but anyway, I've never heard of it. Um, but but you, girls do have prostates. That's what that all that G spot female well, chocolate have, nonsense is about. So other they have a glands that are yeah, they're, that are similar, but maybe not quite as big. But um, ladies, I mean, you can call in and tell us about your blue balls. But I've never heard of it. I don't have enough female patients to really. No one's really asked me about it. Anyway, um, but it's it's uh, there's no way to independently verify. I've never. Um, so it just comes uh, down to trust and uh, yeah, and a lie detector machine. If there's no trust to verify that he actually, but is I in will pain. say that from personal experience, Dan, I know you have a contrasting opinion, but it's out, it's real. It's You've experienced, you have balls. Have you experienced this phenomenon? I have, I have. Um, today, recently, not today. No. When was the last time? Um, gosh, yesterday. Really? Yeah, you know. Long day, boyfriend's not around, etc. Uh, get horny or something. P- 
Go on. <laughs> oh, we'll go on to the next call, actually. Right Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. This is, I'm 21 years old and about two years ago I was legally raped. And I say legally because I'm not convinced that it really was rape because I made a lot of really stupid decisions that night. For instance, I decided to go upstairs with this dude after everyone else had gone to bed. And he's, and I, and he completely manipulated me into lots of like, really icky, like I said no to sex and he like convinced me that it was okay and it was fine and that my boyfriend, you know, wouldn't change how I felt about my boyfriend if I just talked to him and like, I agreed. So doesn't it not really become rape if eventually I agreed to it? And, you know, he's 10 years older than me. It was kind of inappropriate probably for him to, like, even agree to hang out with me. But I was over 18, so, I mean, my parents insist I was raped. Many of my friends insist I was raped. A few of my friends say I wasn't, and I'm getting a lot of unnecessary attention for something that may or may not have actually happened to me. Um, I mean, this kid, this guy, this man, definitely abused me emotionally, telling me that he told me it was kind of disgusting because I had my period... I don't know. It just was a really awful situation for me, but uh, there can be awful situations that are not rape. So I guess I just really want to know if you think that I really was raped. It would really help me sleep at night better. That's a tough one, Dan. I mean, there it is, is tough. It's horrible because it, well, it sounds like at the end what she wants to be told is it's rape, so she'll sleep better at night. And yet she's torn because she looks at the facts and that she eventually consented. She was manipulated. So that for me, is, that's one of the key terms is just the fact that she was – she feels manipulated. Um, the other term she used was uh, she feels emotionally abused. I mean she f- she has a lot of regret. Um, she feels terrible afterwards. But does it have to be labeled r- rape for her to exonerate herself? I think that we can label this – and this whole like, is it rape? Is it not rape? It comes up all the time when there's like a gray area around whether there was, you know, 100% pure unalloyed consent or whether right. somebody was coerced, manipulated, whether they consented under a kind of emotional duress that the other person may not be entirely aware of. It sounds like in this case, the douchebag was aware of it. Yeah. But why can't we just call this, you were brutally violated. You were sexually violated. This was a horrible and unpleasant experience. Right. But... It almost sounds like there's almost – I mean her, that her fate was worse than rape. I mean that, that she's in this gray area that she didn't even put her finger on it and call that it would that. have been easier if there were force right. for her after the fact. And uh, all these people are telling her that it was rape, her family, her partner. And it, you know, it sounds like part of the conflict is she doesn't feel like it was rape, that she wants to take some responsibility for her – this is really going to get me killed. I don't want to say complicity. I don't want to say actions. I don't want to say choices. I want to say for her part in how this thing got out of control to a point where she had this horrible experience. And I think that that's a good impulse because if you take some responsibility for your actions, you're Mm -hmm. less likely to find yourself in that situation in the future. Instead of just saying, oh, yeah, it's all rape and it's all on 
this this asshole. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was awful and it was violated and I should have, could have, would have extracted myself, but I didn't for these. And why not let it be this big, gray, unhappy, unpleasant mess? Well, it is this big, gray, unhappy mess, and it's 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 terrible. And I, I think the number, the most important thing is the fact that she feels terrible afterwards. And I, I you know, on the other hand, you, you, I don't think there's a check mark out there. Like this is not right because this box that the, the guy went through this check marks and said, oh, okay, he's above eight. He's above. They're both above eighteen, and she said the the three letter word yes at one point during the the evening. I mean, other things I want to know. I mean, what else did he do to manipulate her? Were there substance substances involved that he gave to her? Um, Was there implied physical threat? Right. You know, and because that's another form of manipulation, right? You're just he's perhaps he was trying to really you know ease his way into this and 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 coerce her i mean this this is this is a bad situation is what it, it is it is a bad situation and then you have to get into okay was it rape or not rape was it coercion or was it wheedling you, know, you end up having to parse all these words and what they mean right. and i think what we need to label this as a really unpleasant experience that left you feeling violated yes and i don't think there's anything and it's unknowable whether it's exactly can right. be labeled rape and and you're Dan Savage, and I, but I'm, I'm not sure there's a situation. There's something, anything you can say about to her about the situation that can make it you less know, painful. Exactly. I think that's that's the key here. Um, it's just an ugly situation. I think she's really got to sort of explore her feelings about it. And but she, it seems like she wants to resolve this issue, and I don't think that's resolvable. You feel the way you feel about it. Some folks look at what happened to you and say rape. You look at it and say. Perhaps not, and just let it be this big right, exactly. mess. What? There's no way to tie a bow around this and exactly. be done with it. It's always oh, going to be totally. a part of your sexual history. It's always going to evoke certain negative feelings. I would encourage you to stop talking about it with people who, when they talk to you about it, want to badger you about labeling it rape. If that's not what you want to call it, if those conversations leave you feeling bad, just stop fucking talking to those people about it. She should. I think she. Should, it's very important that she figures out what, how. Wh- to envision for her what she feels her clo- closure, should, closure should be on this and, and, and seek that. It may not be you know, legal rape. She may not want to go to court. Uh, this is, that may not be the thing that she wants to seek, yet she may want closure anyway. And does closure mean for her, oh, perhaps I have decided that this is rape, but I will not go forward? I'm not sure. I mean, is it easier for her to say that I – that yes, this was rape, but look now we all rape. feel the way she. I mean, not we don't feel the way she feels. No one feels the way she feels, but we're all sort of hemming and hawing and all over the place on yeah. this. But she definitely, which like is she an wants indication closure. that there's no that you can get closure without getting a definition, right? That and you've got to move past this, put it behind you, and maybe one way you can do that, caller, is to say this is never going to be clearly one thing or the other. It's a Rorschach blot of an experience where some people are going to see X, some people are going to see Y. You know it was unpleasant. Right. You know that it left you feeling violated, right. and just leave it. Then leave it. Then right. in that state of of messy unresolvedness about what to call it. Is it what to call know. it isn't as important. And, you know, and obviously I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the legal definition <clears throat> here in the state. I'm, but I, I will tell you that the, the def, it, it's just bad. It's um, and I, I feel terribly for her. But I feel terribly for her too. And people who do this to people, people who violate someone like this mm. are the, just the fucking scum of the earth because yes. it's not even done with that experience right. all too often. It's that experience has this ripple effect that just 
flows through a person's entire life, and it's so brutally unfair. Right, and that's probably part of the reason she wants to seek that closure. To if she can find that closure, hopefully this will not seed and affect every other relationship she ever has in her life, because that would be the ultimate. That would be the ultimate tragedy yeah, about this. Before we let you go, before we move on, though, you're a survivor. You got through this. It was three years ago. You're 18. You're 21 yep. now. You're going to keep putting distance between who you are in the moment and who you were then, what happened then, that experience. And with each passing day, each passing positive sexual experience, that awful night gets buried under more and more sediment until you're done. I, 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 have, I agree completely. I think it touches on an earlier point that – she – we sh- hopefully can get beyond this. You know, she's survived a, a traumatic event and ho- this will – hopefully it will not shape the way she approaches other relationships. She's got to give herself that chance to have positive, healthy relationships with, with men. She knows now what she doesn't want it to be. She doesn't – she knows now sort of the absolute worst it can be and hopefully she can she can seek out positivity in, in relationships with other people. But it sounds like part of what the problem going on is she she wants to call it something. She feels like it has to be called one thing or the other, so then she can be done with it. You can be done with it even if you don't want to call yeah, it. Yeah, she can just be done with it. Just be done with it and leave it. Uh, you know, the case file isn't open forever just because you don't know what label to put on it. Just like case fucking closed it was an awful goddamn experience, and you're not going to let it dominate your life, and you're not going to participate in any more debates with family and friends about exactly what it was, yeah. and you don't have to revisit it constantly. It's something in your past, and you know. Everybody has things in their past in their sexual lives. So, you know, sex is big and dangerous and scary and most people have had close calls, experiences of sexual abuse or sexual violation and you're not the only one out there who who suffered in this way and most people are able to, through force of will, move past it, move through it and past it and you can too. Absolutely. This podcast is brought to you by Netflix. Netflix delivers movies to your home in about one business day. Plus, you can instantly stream thousands of TV episodes and movies directly to your PC or Mac or right to your TV through Netflix-enabled devices such as the Xbox 360, PS3, or Nintendo Wii, all without late fees or due dates. One of the movies available to watch instantly this week on Netflix is Toy Story 3, starring Tom Hanks and Tim Allen and Joan Cusack and a whole bunch of other people. The only movie that I've ever seen with my husband that made him cry. It's so touching. You will want to watch it. If it can melt the icy German heart of my Ubermensch boyfriend, husband, whatever he is, it'll melt yours too. For a free trial and to instantly watch this movie or choose from thousands of TV episodes or other movies, go to netflix.com slash savage. Be sure to sign up with that Earl if you want the special deal, netflix.com slash savage. Hey, Dan. I'm an 18-year-old lesbian. Um, I've had a situation recently. Um, about a year ago, my best friend slept with this guy. They had unprotected sex, and they later found out that the guy was HIV positive. Um, the guy actually told my friend he did the right thing. He took my friend to get test- tested, but he also promised that he would never sleep with the guy without telling him that he was HIV positive again which made me very angry in the first place. Um, Recently, after that promise, after my friend came back negative, after my friend was okay, I found out that this douchebag slept with another one of my friends, unprotected, 
who I just was fucking speechless. Like, I don't understand what gives the guy a right to do that, what he's thinking, and what my friends are thinking for having unprotected sex. I'm having a conversation with all of them right now, but my question is, I'm just so angry. Maybe my voice betrays that at this guy for... And I also found out that he tried to hook up with another one of my friends. It's sick. It just makes me sick. Right now, I know I'm young and I know I'm hot-headed, but I want to tattoo HIV positive above his dick so he can't do another person. <sighs> Am I wrong to be so angry? What can I do to help other people? I don't want this to happen to anyone again. Another emergency, another person running to get tested. He hooks up with guys all the time, and no one knows. What is my responsibility? What do you think I should do? You know, before we talk about the pause guy, I would want to hear more about all of your friends who are willing to jump into bed with Mm -hmm. anybody, apparently, and have unprotected anal intercourse. And then you're shifting all responsibility and blame to the shoulders of the pause guy, who I am not absolving. Right. At this moment, by making this point, but you're shifting all blame and responsibility and anger onto his shoulders right. when it takes two to tangle a load into someone's ass. Right. All kinds of issues here, Dan. I, there's a lot of stuff we don't know in the sense that, you know, I, I really I, I understand that she's quite angry. I think the assumption here is that. And justifiably so. Oh, yeah. He said with a mouthful of cupcake, justifiably so. <laughs> like, Well, the, the assumption here is that. He's hooking up with guys and purposefully not telling them about his, his status. And that's definitely – I mean that's – I really think that's terribly wrong and that – but that's something we're not – we don't know. I mean is that the case here? If that's the case, then I agree that she should be angry. That's – It uh, does sound like it's the case that he's either telling guys or it's coming out after the fact that he's positive and then the shit hits the fan right. over and over and over again. Right. And I guess – and that is a terrible thing. I, I, one of the, and it, it underscores the fact that it's one of the main things you can do when you're sleeping with someone is, is – you know, I've never been – I've never ascribed to the whole pretend everyone else is HIV positive and, and go about your life that way because that's not very – that doesn't encourage communication. That doesn't that that absolves you of asking about that person's status. It it, it 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 cuts off the conversation. I really think that before you hook up with someone, you should ask them. Yeah, at but some point, with so many right? people out there who are positive who don't know it, that a conversation totally. about whether you're positive or not when you don't know you're positive and you tell me you're negative isn't really worth the error that it, it took to I mean, pop into the world. It's still important. It's uh, important to have it, but it's no assurance. I mean, if what oh, the decision you're making in that moment is to use right. condoms or not use condoms, right. that's bullshit. Because most of the infections involve people who do not know that they are positive. Agreed, agreed. Because a lot of guys who know are the ones who are going to be who may be on medications. Like the we were ones saying that earlier, exactly, you may this may be a case where this guy is has an undetectable viral load and is actually less infectious in his behaviors mm-hmm. than a guy who believes himself to be negative, who's actually positive, right. who's, who's not using condoms because he's negative. Right. But I do think – but in this case, would it have helped any of those partners, right? What if they said, hey, I'm clean, are you? I mean when we just say conversation, I mean people – going to get calls about that expression. Very, Every very, time anybody uses, hey, I'm clean, are you – and I, I know that's colloquial. What people use – I know. I know. Well, it's because a lot of people don't want to have this conversation because it sounds like so much like a conversation. Like you sit down at a table and you say, let's discuss this and that. I mean it really can be – you should at least put it out there. I mean you should – you should, I, I do feel that you should address it. It's one of the main a lot of people you, are hesitant to address it in situations where they're having 
anonymous, nearly anonymous, impromptu sex because they feel it's going to queer the deal if they have to like Absolutely. have a conversation about safety. I get that. I mean, Dan, if we all thought clearly when we were horny, there would be no epidemic. Or blue balls. Or blue. <laughs> right. So what does she do? Well, I mean, she's got every right to be angry. Like, if this guy is really going around um, not disclosing, that's that's kind of despicable um, because he's making a choice for a lot of people. Right? It's nice to hear you say it's despicable. You can't get a lot of people in the health field who work with people who are gay, work with HIV positive people, to use loaded, judgmental, shaming, pejorative terms like despicable. I think it's despicable. I I mean, I really think that's that's a that's a wrong way to. I mean. You know what I think is less despicable? This is her just telling everyone this guy's positive. Clearly, he's not going to disclose. Clearly, he can't be trusted. It's not a secret that I think that you I have to keep on his behalf. Tattooing HIV on his forehead is pretty despicable. No, as I well. think that's despicable. <laughs> but I would, if somebody was, I don't use the word preying on my friends, but taking advantage of my, of my friends' naivete or youth or inexperience, and was routinely engaging in this kind of behavior, I would tell my friends. You should watch out for this guy. He's positive. He doesn't tell people his unsafe sex with him. Then he feels bad and takes him off to get tested. But you should know if you want to bang this guy, bang this guy. Right. But you got to use condoms because he's positive. Yeah. I mean, there's a con- there's kind of a contract. Number. I mean, like you, again, if you if you ask some, I mean, I think people should bring it up. I think you should talk about it. I if someone but a community doesn't have you, a responsibility to keep your secret for you as you, you prey on not the people in the community because he's not a hawk and they're not. Frogs, but as you know, he takes advantage of people's youth, naivete, and experience, stupidity to get the bareback orgasm he wants. Right. You don't have a concurrent responsibility to, to aid him in that by keeping your mouth shut. No, I I agree. I mean, I I think that at that point, if if the question is should she be telling people, you know, it's it sounds like this guy's getting you know <laughs> he's he's doing what he wants. Um, he's he's taking advantage of people. I think it'd be a good thing for people to know, know what about they're that. signing up for. Exactly, so and that people can make their own decisions decisions to protect themselves. Her impulse is to tell people by tattooing it on them. And there's another way she can tell people, which is just by fucking telling people. And someone who engages in this kind of behavior is gonna get a reputation yep. that they've earned, that's deserved, yep. and and will then result in people being safer when they choose to have sex with that person or then choosing not to have sex with that person. Right. We're all big boys, Dan. We can make our own decisions. We're adults. But let's not get into a situation where we're letting people make decisions for other adults like this, letting this guy deceive other people this way. I think this is uh, – I think she should be justified. I mean I'm probably going to trouble but it's, I think it would be OK for her to you know, Tattoo protect HIV the next stick? person. But with short of tattooing HIV on his dick. Yeah. I mean I'm sure she doesn't mean tattoo HIV on everyone's forehead who's got HIV. But you know, that's kind of the way it – That was good. William F. Buckley's POV yeah, 30 yeah. years ago. Word. Hi, Dan. Uh, 23-year-old straight girl here. I have a question about anal sex. My – my boyfriend seems to prefer it, um, and it's been very exciting and intense. He is the first person I've successfully done it with, uh, and we've been together for a little over a year. But I'm starting to wonder if there are any long-term negative consequences to having a lot of regular anal sex. He's very well endowed, so I always feel um, vulnerable and submissive, which I think is part of the fun of it. Um, a lot of information on the web 
says that, you know, sex is dangerous and can learn to lead to problems like you being loose when you're older. Um, and I'm finding it hard to discern how much information online is based on health facts, how much has ulterior motives for discouraging anal sex. Trying to research on the web has actually made me more paranoid, um, and I find myself enjoying anal sex less. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts or advice. Thank you. Another straight couple, but fucking out there for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, full circle. Um, more anal sex. So... Um, <laughs> No, you know, honestly, I, I love the internet. I hate the internet. I mean, where is she getting information? Uh, Dr. Drew. Well, why? I just don't – He's the king of the anal sex panic attack. Brigade. Is he really? I oh, didn't know yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Really? He says you shouldn't have anal because you're going to prolapse and your ass is going to explode. You're going to shit your pants and there's going to be this generation of incontinent women who foolishly please their well-endowed boyfriends and please send video. I guess he's not getting any. Um, but it, it's one. If she really likes it, if her boyfriends like it, then go for it. I think more and power to her. Have, I mean, have fun. And all the evidence you need that you're not going to do any like damaged long-term drugs. Like go to a gay neighborhood. Go to the Walgreens. Are there shelves and shelves full of adult diapers for all the incontinent exactly. butt-fucked boys that are, that are living? No. No. It's and, a muscle. The more you use it, typically the stronger it gets. And the less problems she's going to have with with it in the future. I mean, I, there's no studies that ever that say that she's going to have uh, you know problems in the future down the line. She's going to depends. I think that's a terrible thing to say. I think there she, are health risks. You know, it's a, a more efficient mode of uh, disease transmission because of the blood vessels. Absolutely. Uh, you know, anal fissures are something to worry about. That's why you need lots of anal foreplay. It's not. A mouth that you can just like open wide or it's not a vagina that's a little more accommodating. Right, but we're not talking no risk. If you want no risk, wrap yourself in foil and lock yourself in a closet. But there's going to be <laughs> Sounds some – Sounds kind of hot. <laughs> for some people, yeah. Um, no, there's going to be some – absolutely there's going to be some risks. But no. no but you should be like, cognizant of the, the real risks. Fissures, disease, going too fast. Yes. Foreplay, lots of lube. Watch out for fissures. Don't have anal sex when your ass is full of poop because it makes a mess. But you're not going to be – shit in your pants like walk around the day, gay neighborhood they're like people walking around with loads in their pants everywhere you go no 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 and i agree and, and honestly even if even if there were a very very small risk isn't it worth having fun a little i mean the risk is super small would you rather be super old and have a perfect anus or have like a 99 percent perfect anus and had <laughs> plenty of anal sex in your life and had a great time that's what we're talking about here, right? Nobody's going to want to see your anus when you're 99 years <laughs> exactly, old anyway. Exactly. Not to say that you can't have anal sex when you're 99. I'm not disowning I just said no one wants to old. see it. Right. That's different. Uh, yeah, no, may no one wants to see So turn the lights off. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I had a great time, Dan. Thanks for having me. Dr. V. Chu of the – would you like to give your clinic? Capitol Hill Medical. Uh, we, we are. I'm accepting new patients. I'm probably going to be closing my practice at the end of the year. I've got – Plenty, but I'm happy to take more. Um, and this is a Seattle-based. It's Seattle-based. We're actually on First Hill, even though it's Capitol Hill Medical. Though the plan is to get to Capitol Hill, um, but it's a GLPT-focused primary care clinic. We accept most insurances. Um, we, I, I'm an HIV specialist as well. I do transgender hormone therapy. So if you need any of that stuff, um, and you have your husband to thank, and I've got my husband to thank for, for this bringing you on, wonderful and podcast. We get questions, thank you, Justin. We get questions often about trans issues, particularly medical trans issues. And the next time one of those comes up, we're going to drag you back down here as our guest expert. I would be ha happy to come back. Hey Dan, my name's Abby. I just listened to the podcast number two thirty nine. The guy who um, was in love with his girlfriend and thought she was cute but not hot enough for him. 
You missed one thing that he might want to think about long and hard, and that is that most men rate themselves much more attractive than women rate themselves. In other words, an average-looking guy will rate himself as highly attractive, or an average-looking woman might rate herself as, you know, moderately attractive. It's very possible this guy just isn't in touch with what he really looks like, and he might be a much better fit for his girlfriend than he actually thinks he is. Dan, I have a comment about the episode you just did with the wonderful young woman who promotes female ejaculation. I'm a huge fan of female ejaculation. I just had one word of caution and or advice for women who are experiencing or experimenting with female ejaculation. If you know that you are a female ejaculator and your boyfriend is going down on you, give them a little bit of warning. I have nothing against female ejaculant. In fact, Personally, the, some, the certain ones that I've experienced have been kind of tasty, but it was kind of a, a surprise when it happened the first time. And I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I'd known it was coming. Hi, Dan. This is your favorite transy guy in Kansas. I just wanted to say thank you to Tess for calling in and supporting uh, my issue. And I also wanted to say that uh, since we talked, I've regained a lot of confidence and Things are going great, so um, things are progressing in a in a way that is, you know, expected, but a lot better than when I first came out. So uh, I guess it's the it gets better in this way. So I just wanted to thank you again, and thank you to all those who support, including my friends and you. Thanks. Bye. And we're going to leave it there. Special thanks this week to Dr. V. Chu and, of course, his husband, Justin, who bought him an appearance on the podcast as a gift and really bought us a gift. Dr. Chu was awesome, and we are going to have him back. 206-201-2720 is the number if you want to record a question for a future show or a comment. You can also comment on the podcast at thestranger.com slash lovecast. We can't, unfortunately, get to everyone's comments every week. So if you want to write your comment out there for everyone to see, you can make sure your thoughts get out there into the universe. 206-201-2720 is the number. Me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.